Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. There's no silent millionaires in the music industry. The key that's missing is the monetization piece. This is an unbelievable story. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. Hello and welcome to episode 112 of Perpetual Traffic. Today we've got a great case study coming your way. We've got somebody that's in the music industry. All right, we're talking mass consumer, B2C industry, and sounds like Kyle, who's who we're going to introduce here in a second, may have cracked the code in, I think, an industry that may have been pretty difficult for people trying to use digital marketing, paid traffic, and social media to truly build a system and a machine where they can grow a music brand and literally sell albums. So if you're listening and you are in some kind of a space, maybe you're a fiction author or a nonfiction author and you're looking to literally sell books, I think this episode will resonate with you. And even if you're in any other type of BDC industry, I think you're going to learn some stuff here that will be pretty exciting. Kyle LaMare. Welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Show. How's it going? Good, good. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. So a fellow War Room member, Dan Callis, actually connected us to you. And he told us about this Kyle guy. And he sent us an email, all three of us, Ralph, Molly, and myself, about this guy that's using the, the DM strategies to really win in the music industry. This is an unbelievable story because, I mean, this is a type of product or <laughs> service that we've never really talked about here on this show, which is yeah. how do musicians actually sell themselves on social media and get a start on Facebook advertising? All the same principles that we've taught here for digital products, for e-commerce products, for information-based products, 
really do apply. This is a, a slightly different strategy that Kyle employed here, but I think it all goes back to a lot of the core principles that we certainly teach. But this is just a, a way for people to end around the big music labels as well and record companies and not be a slave to those systems, which are really sort of outdated at this point. But I mean, this story is definitely applicable to anyone in any business, but particularly musicians who are just struggling to start out. And as a musician myself, who, you know, originally my goal was to be a rock star, which never really worked out. And I ended up owning an ad agency after all. Ralph the rock star. Maybe if I had known some of these things, my my career would have been slightly different. <laughs> we may have never met. Never would have met. <laughs> well, you're a pretty good teacher when, when you taught Kyler uh, how to play the guitar there when we were back in Cape Cod. But uh, the challenge, I think the one thing that's interesting here is because a lot of people, when they see somebody selling maybe a small like something the price of a, of a music album, right, or song. They think Tripwire, acquire a new customer so you can sell them your core offer. The music industry is different because a lot of these guys are making the majority of their profits come from selling their music. Very similar to a author who is maybe a fiction author where they don't have a product on the back end. That's all their revenue and profits come from the sales of what they produce. So I think this is going to be pretty fun. We've had a coaching client in that space and in, in, in the fiction industry who used Facebook ads and social media combined to really create several bestsellers. I'm excited, Kyle. First of all, who are you and what exactly do you do? Well, I am an independent musician primarily, I would say, and I came out to uh, Orlando, Florida when it came time for college to learn entertainment business. That's what my degree is in, and it didn't really yield much for me in the way of business information, like real business information that I know now. But I entered the industry and I started running a recording studio and still furthering my career, and I got to interface with a lot of famous people, people who are inside the industry. And I started understanding that something was critically broken. And so that's kind of where I come from. You know, I'm a lifelong independent musician, about 15 years. And what I do is I now leverage pretty much exactly what you guys talk about, down to the fact that a lot of my major insights have come from this specific podcast to kind of change the music industry. I've always been a little bit anti-establishment. And that informs my kind of deep passion for uprooting how it currently works and finding a better way. Epic. Love it. So you're in the right place. We like to disrupt the status quo. So first of all, we'd love to hear kind of some of the results you got. And then what were the biggest challenges that really were coming your way? And how did you do it? I mean, I guess the headline is that we took an artist from 6,000 to 28,000 fans on Facebook. We generated about 26,000 in sales. We created a bunch of customers in that time and we got you know hundreds of thousands of video views in that time. Just accumulated audience at every step of the way. And that was all in six months. And it was wow. just by kind of some key changes to how we approached it. And the, the challenges were many. There was, it's, it's numerous challenges that we're up against. The music industry is critically broken and how they approach consumers is critically broken. It's all based off of mass media. Major labels only know how to profit off of things that are incredibly popular, right? There's no silent millionaires in the music industry. So the challenge was, how do we create a sustainable business in a space where the only way to do so is pump hundreds of thousands of dollars into a career? 
I love that. There's no silent millionaires in the music industry. Oh, it's only 16 billion annual revenue compared to, let's say, personal injury lawyers are 31 billion. Wow. And they're not, you know, plastered all over television. <laughs> I mean, they are, but for advertising purposes, right? Local television. Right. I think that's the key in this industry. There is a lot of media, right? There are a lot of eyeballs, probably more so than any other industry. If you look at something like page views and Facebook likes and Twitter followers. A lot of vanity metrics. Yeah, there's so many vanity sort of top of the funnel metrics. And I think the key that's missing in this industry is the monetization piece, right? And it's what you figured out. It's the hardest part. It's how do we take all of these eyeballs and actually make something of it? Because if you even think a bit deeper into it, I mean, the amount of wealth that is associated with, you know, an industry like music is huge. But when it comes down to it, it's funny to hear that that's, you know, not even necessarily the case. And sometimes it can just be that fire that you have to get started, you know, so maybe somebody follows the strategies we're going to talk about today. And it gets them kind of over the hump. It gets them noticed by somebody else big or a label or whatever it is. Or maybe they just, even if they are noticed, they don't care anymore. But I think the the great thing about all of this stuff is when you do something like this where it's not so much as as left to luck and chance and and who sees your creative genius, right? Of course, you got to have good content. You have to have good art or music or whatever industry that we're in. It's all art, in my opinion. But... Once you get to a certain point, it can lead to other big deals and partnerships. That's what's exciting to me because then it can go exponential. So you talked about the music industry being broken. So tell us what you did different. To me, like just to give a quick framework, the music industry is broken in a lot of ways. It kind of dates back a long time to like the start of rock and roll. And at that time, you know, there were like major record labels like CBS and they were recording like Ella Fitzgerald's of the world, like Lush Ballads. And these little independent record labels like Roulette Records, Chess Records, they recorded rock and roll and teen stuff. And they quickly figured out that one, they could exploit artists for a majority of the profits, which is something that's a case in the industry today. And then two, they could pay radio DJs to kind of play their records. And that would artificially inflate their popularity. And so it became that the the industry as these indies became very successful and got swallowed up by the majors, the model became okay, let's get something really obscenely popular and we'll profit off of the windfall, all of the sales. But what happened in that time that I immediately noticed when listening to this podcast is that like they don't have a relationship with their customers. There is no customer journey. They don't understand the customer acquisition for a given customer because it is all kind of ether. It's like, well, can we get it in the right state of popularity, right? So... There, there wasn't a relationship being developed. And, and then all of the independent musicians, like, like me and all my friends, we just looked to them for advice when really what they were doing was kind of critically broken. It's not a mature business model. And that, I think that's evidenced by the limited size of recorded music as an industry. So, or one-hit wonders, right? The amount of one-hit wonders? Yes, exactly. Yeah, there, I would say I think it's about 19% of the Billboard Top 200 albums every year is one-hit wonders. And it's such, you know, it speaks directly to the idea that, like, how do you create one million customers and not have at least 500,000 for the follow-up? How does that happen I'm listening to you guys. Think if Debbie Gibson or Tiffany had you back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) So so sometimes these, you know, these, these labels make like a big hit 
but they don't know how to do a follow-up. And so the model became, let's just sign a hundred artists or a thousand artists in a year. And then, you know, one or two of them will be big successes. The rest of them will shelf or will cut. And so what that leaves out, you know, tons of independent musicians. And so, you know, most artists are not even viable to be these massive smash successes, right? A crushing majority of all artists fall uh, into the failure category for these major artists. So the DM way to me was actually more applicable to artists than the major label way, because it's all about building a sustainable relationship with a target market. And, you know, artists have a few key advantages when it comes to that over other businesses. They have a longer relationship with their customers. Once you acquire a fan, they don't leave like, you know, someone in a jewelry business customer would leave, right? They're there for years and years and years. And then also there's longer warm-up time. It's more costly on the front end for a key reason, actually, because we're used to discovering artists. We're not used to being told to enjoy an artist, right? Or told to go check out an artist. Our favorite artists, we almost have an ownership with them. We're like, if they blow up, we almost feel like, oh, you're all fair weather fans. We were here since the beginning, right? Yeah, it's like a true, true relationship. (laughs) Yeah, so it's one kind of epiphany. I don't know if you guys have ever read like the 48, I think it's like the 48 Laws of Power or like the Art of Seduction. I have that book. I think I disagree with a lot of the stuff in there, but. I disagree with a whole bunch of stuff, but one key thing was he said, the indirect introduction is the most powerful type of introduction. And to me, that was like, oh, discoverability. Mm. To not be coerced into a relationship by the person you're in the relationship with is so much more powerful. They say the rule is if you want to, you know, connect with this girl or take a girl out, you go become friends with her friends. The book, The 48 Laws of Power was like success tips for like gangsters. But I remember that key point was like indirect introductions. Then certainly many other books have covered that topic. And I think that's a key element. So Facebook ads incidentally is like the first time in history that you can leverage everything that's necessary to create an artist to fan relationship with an advertising platform because it allows for indirect introductions. We discovered Okay, if we run a video, but we don't include, and I think this is directly from you guys, if we run a video and we don't include anything, any other CTA in the post, that is the closest to an intentional indirect introduction that we can get in the whole world. Wow. Especially because you're on a social platform. (laughs) Right, Right. exactly. So it pops up in their newsfeed and it's almost... It's almost like is some of their friends' content, right? You know, it's not an ad. Absolutely, yeah. You just happened upon it. Something that was recommended. Yeah, exactly. And so Facebook doesn't allow native audio embedding. And even if they did, I don't think it would be a very powerful strategy. But the strategy here was, okay, we have music videos. We have candid performance videos, which actually perform better, as I'm sure is no surprise to you guys, where it's just a, you know, a simple camera and a simple setup. But... We discovered quickly that doing that, we, we now can build the next step. We have a return path to the people who watch that video, which is to, to have that 75% or that 50% video view audience. So we were like, okay, how do we break down? Because most music marketers, they might take business marketing and think it applies one-to-one, which it kind of doesn't. There's more touches. It's more iterative. So we made sure, how do we, how do we just very gently nudge people along the customer journey and always maintain a return path? 
and it started with those video view campaigns. Which is amazing. I mean, that's it's just so perfect because I think the newsfeed right now is so jam-packed with ads. <laughs> and we're definitely yeah. seeing this in the agency a lot, and it's a big trend. It's something that we just sort of stumbled on almost by mistake is that stuff that doesn't look like ads are the, is, are the things that are actually working the best right now, even for ads that are totally an ad with a call to action. So this totally makes sense what you're saying. It's like, I just stumbled upon this video. I don't know how it appeared in my newsfeed. Well, you know, as the guy who's pressing the buttons on the computer to do the targeting and everything else, you know exactly how it appeared in their newsfeed, but they just stumbled upon it, which is genius and without the call to action. So it really is a discovery just by happenstance. Native advertising, baby. You bet. You know, we started there. We started with these video view campaigns. We blew up a few videos. You know, we spent about $900 getting, you know, three different videos above 300K. But one of them was just my buddy Nino rapping in front of a camera in a dimly lit room with no external microphone. I mean, it was a crap video by all you know, standards, but it did phenomenally better. Yeah, I tell people all the time they you know, they're going to create videos for Facebook and they think they need some big studio or a lot of production. And most of the time, you know, it's the videos that are recorded on your iPhone or just, you know, a quick five to 10 second thing that does the best because it's what people are familiar with. And it's, you know, what people see in their newsfeed from their friends who go live or, you know, post videos of their kids or their dogs. So, you know, that makes perfect sense. And I, I think that's key here even for, you know, your industry. If you want to see any of these videos or anything we touch on in this episode, uh, head to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 112, 112, and we'll, uh, we'll post some of these videos. So yeah, we blew up these three videos and the, you know, that was our lead in campaign. And this all started with my buddy saying, Hey, you know, I know you're learning a lot about this marketing stuff. I, I have an album coming out. And so that's how we kind of started. <laughs> you can help me. Yo, brother, can you help me? <laughs> and, uh, and he was he, a really good friend and kind of gave me carte blanche. He really trusted me to yep. just do some things that just were completely antithetical to how things are being done. And so we did this these video campaigns. And then we started really, really pushing. His album was called The Audio Trip. And it's a 13 song album. It's called The Audio Trip 2, I think. Audio Trip 2, it's the second one. And that to me sounded like, okay, this is a customer journey. Like this is, we can take them on an experience, right? And kind of a lot of music marketers, I don't know if this is still a thing, but they, in the past, they've recommended as an opt-in, you know, potential, a free download. And a buddy of mine is a bestseller on the music business, Ari Herstand. And we were talking uh, the other day for a blog article. And he, he was like, I think we both agreed at the same point that like nobody in the world cares about your free download. Your, your number one fans don't even, it's a kind of like littering on their desktop. It's not transferable. It's not ubiquitous like most music is for them. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a hassle. So we want to do something way cooler. So we decided to give away the whole album for free in a 12-day interactive experience called The Audio Trip. Now, it, I don't, you know, it's kind of difficult to explain how, but this is all tied directly back to stuff that I've learned from you guys. I think you guys would be better at pointing out what I snagged from where than I would, but... 
it was a you know it was an email experience and we were sending them to hidden web pages that gave them the album entirely in the highest quality audio files they could get it so it was really value first it was like we're going to take a leap of faith here and not only tell you everything about the behind the scenes but give you the whole album for free day by day as long as you take the journey with us and that developed a stronger bond than I've ever seen between an artist and their fans. I mean, now Nino knows his fans by name. He knows their kids' names. He knows when they get up because of where they are in the world. He live streams to different you know, areas of the world now. So it really brought him incredibly close to his fan base. And if you ever follow uh, a woman who's given a great TED Talk, Amanda Palmer, she uses a similar model. She's very, very famous. She had like a million dollar Kickstarter for her album. And she gets in there with her fans. They're her best friends. And this relationship marketing model that you guys and Ryan put forth was that innovation of like, how do we get there? You know, it's interesting. If you think about what I've heard about and read about a little bit with the Grateful Dead, they were doing some of this stuff way before, you know, organically. They built up a a rabid base of fans who followed them because of, they believed in the same thing, not necessarily because of the music, because, you know, they believed in the same ideas about life and music and all that. And so it's it's interesting where you are you're doing that. Right. But you're using a system. You're using paid traffic to, in this case, your quote unquote lead magnet would be get this new album free and go through on this really cool scavenger hunt journey with us. Right. And you have to do things different. That's why before we hit record, I'd asked you about if you guys had done any like raffle copter kind of giveaways, you know, like get a free album or something like that. Because I know that lead magnets and stuff don't work in this industry. So you're just building up a following, loyal, really evangelists, right? Yeah, building the tribe. Then they opt in for the album. And we did it live at first, and then we automated it later. Okay, cool. So you did it like... You mean you did like a launch and then you perpetuated it? Yeah, exactly. We collected about 800 opt-ins before it first went live and we did like a launch style. We were counting down to it. We got those opt-ins mainly through what we call, what we've come to call an education phase, which is like after you meet someone in, you know, an indirect introduction, you need to learn a little bit about them before you're going to like give them your phone number to hang out later. Right. Yeah. So, so we needed to like take care of that stage of it. So we would reply to all comments on the videos. We've tried out a little bit of a many chat sequence, like a three-step many chat sequence to tell them more about Nino. And then, and then we also, uh, we ran some ads. We did some, I mean, I did some long copy image post ads that Nino himself wrote. We did video uh, opt-in ads, which ended up being more expensive. I think you guys go over why that is, but arguably higher quality leads. And we really just started with the idea that like, okay, well, everyone already doesn't care. So we need to throw out all the stops. Right. How did you get them to buy? At the beginning of the audio trip, and we did like live conference calls, live streams. You can watch day one live stream if you sign up at takethaudiotrip.com slash registration. Like it's dead now. Like we don't really run it as a strategy anymore. We're working on new stuff. But um, on day one live stream, we're kind of like looking at each other like, are we going to offer a, like someone was like, what are you guys going to sell? We were like, we might print a CD, right? Like we had no idea like what we were going to do. On So we started offering a tip button on day two of the audio trip. 
we got flooded with tips, especially from Europe, where people were paying a dollar fifty transaction fee just to tip us a dollar. Wow. Multiple times. One of those people was Damo Gravenor, who's a fan in Europe. And he paid about $25 to tip us $10, right? So we instituted a $10 tip level, named it after him, and then told that story on the checkout page for tips. And that became the most popular tip level. And all told, like among the first 11 days, we collected like all the money we spent on traffic back in tips. Then we launched a pre-order of the Audio Trip 2 signed limited edition copy. So there's only 400 ever being printed in this way with like a unique message on the inside pamphlet. And then only the, the first 400 supporters out of the Audio Trip would ever get this album. It also serves as a lifetime VIP pass to any concerts. Oh, wow. Yeah, we really we, we took to heart the idea that you need to have a unique selling proposition. You're in an yeah. industry where people just don't care about what you're offering. Well, and you made a hell of an offer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So within about 36 hours of that offer going live on day 12 of the audio trip, we collected about $4,000 in sales. And wow. In addition to the tip amounts. Yeah, correct? exactly. So this was pre-orders. They weren't printed yet. So we went and we printed 1,500 copies of it. And then we also went and printed like a whole bunch of t-shirts and hoodies. And we just kind of naturally started rolling out follow-up products to our existing customer list, building more customers via the audio trip, but taking everything iteratively. So it was like, okay, here's our retargeting audience who hasn't opted in yet. Here's our email list that hasn't purchased yet. And we, you know, we really took it to heart that we needed to gradually move people and we couldn't just run blanket promotions for everybody. We segment and, and we approach people at different stages. This is sweet. So so basically your tip thing, now did you do any type of a, and that would be very close, but does something like a Kickstarter fundraising type of thing? Have you guys done something like that? The tip we looked at more like busking, like, you know, we're, we're playing music on the street, you know, like we're giving you free music here, you just drop a dollar in the tip bucket. We had no idea it was going to go as wide as it did. As for crowdfunding, I think that crowdfunding is kind of like a cop-out for the fact that the music industry is devoid of ideas to create customers. When I started listening to this podcast, I really realized that like, oh no, we can actually act like big grown-up businesses and sell products, right? Like we don't have to take a sort of like support me kind of approach, right? Yeah, and you're kind of replicating what happens in, you know, actual human interaction, right? The idea of a tip and just making it digital. So it's something that people are familiar with in terms of going up and, and tipping a musician, right? Um, and that's why it works. People are comfortable with it. It makes sense. And I totally agree. I think there is a time and place for crowdfunding. But I also believe that that's kind of a trend. I don't think it's something that's necessarily natural for people. Um, I think crowdfunding for, you know, charitable causes and people in need makes absolute sense because, again, back to actual human relationships, when uh, someone needs help, uh, people come together to help them. Uh, but in terms of raising money for a project or, you know, the launch of an album or a product, there are so many other strategies, um, like you're, you're saying 
something that you can use to get way better results than relying on sort of a, a crowdfunding method where you could fail and it sucks. <laughs> People are doing this in the YouTube industry, you know, that are building up channels and their revenue is coming from AdWords, um, you know, ah. the opposite way. And so some of these guys are starting to do crowdfunding to help pay for their content creation, quote unquote. And then there's other guys that are like, no, I don't want to do that. I feel like that's a cop out. Yeah. So $4,000 worth of albums, you were able to implement the tip stuff, which is awesome. Something we say all the time at Digital Marketer, a core value is prove and then automate. So if we do something like you did, a launch or we sold something in a way that worked really well, of course we will automate it. So it sounds like uh, you had this this customer journey down pat and then you you automated it, right? Like you re-ran this experience. Yeah, exactly. And we we also made sure to automate it. Like, you know, there's other artists that I work with and we've kind of QA'd these strategies across a few different genres now because we were like, well, this works for hip hop. How is it different for, you know, rock? How is it different for pop? And so, yeah, we, we automated the audio trip immediately, just talking about with Nino, after running it live twice. So we had collected about, I think, like about 12 grand in sales through the live launches and then introducing follow-up products. And then we automated the audio trip. And I, I have to say there is something to be lost in automating it, right? Because like- Absolutely, you're not getting the interaction that he had, like the, the right. comments and everything, yeah. This is another thing that the industry kind of like, the industry quits on this before they even try, which is how about if we actually connect with all of the fans? Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> how about we acknowledge an them? amazing concept? Yeah, they'll assume it's impossible before they even start, right? So Nino does it. Like he we kind of said, like, you know, we maybe there will come a time where we can't, but we're sure as hell gonna try. Cause like what else are we gonna do? So so I think that even though we automated it, there's always that personal touch. Also, Nino signs and sends like a personal message to every single person who buys anything from us. Wow. So when they get that package and they know it was packaged, you know, with me and Nino sitting there packaging it. I think that was super important too. We didn't go so far as to automate it via fulfillment because, you know, that's too big for our britches. We're not there yet. So why not keep it as personal as possible right now? So it's 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 about iterative automation. Really. And some of this eventually you might have somebody that develops as a team member and and they got to really, really, really know your voice and, and they can, you know, help support you. I've, you know, we've got some coaching clients that have done that now and they, they've started to automate more because they've gotten so big so fast that there's just no possible way they can keep up. But they still do. They're still in there every day. But because they spent so much time communicating with their audience, they can be very good mentors of their team to make sure that they do not tarnish their brand if they are helping with some of that stuff. DM teaches exactly how to do this too, which is, you know, you don't want to be the product all by yourself, right? So at the higher level, I know that DM teaches a lot about, okay, how do you replicate yourself? How do you build up a team? How do you get your audience familiar with that team so that you don't have to be on 24 seven where you can automate different parts of it? And, you know, I certainly have become someone that can email like Nino's fans and they know it's me. I've, su I've sang on its songs before and stuff. So they know all about me. 
<laughs> I could actually, I'll send you guys a track and you can like play me yelling like James Brown. So yeah, Cal, I know that, you know, even aside from this, this launch and automating this, this selling system, you also were able to sell tickets to concerts because of the, the video assets you use. Could you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah. This was after the, the audio trip had been automated and Nina was already working on the follow-up project and things were kind of light at the time and we hadn't really been trying out anything new with them which is perfect because he came up and he was like, hey, I, got, I randomly got booked in Alberta, Canada. And like, <laughs> you know, he doesn't do a whole lot of live shows. Like he's not a traditionally like touring musician, but he does get paid a lot to do shows. And randomly, even though he's like from Brooklyn and lives in Orlando, he got booked in Alberta for three dates. All right. <laughs> by, you know, someone who is a big fan of his music, actually, this guy, Justin, a promoter out there. And so he's like, how do we, how do we blow this up? And so I was like, okay, well, first of all, you only have like 30, 40 fans even in that area. So we need to open up the top of funnel awareness in Alberta. Yeah. And at the time we were running, like, I think the fifth video that we released called Neogenesis, which goes against everything that a label told Nino would work. Like he had a six minute song and they were like, this will never work. You can't lead with this. It's been his most successful video to date. Cool. Yeah, going against the grain. Wow. I think people are going to start jumping on the bandwagon of longer videos soon. Most of our most profitable client videos are six to ten minutes long. The people who do end up watching it, I think there's just a such higher share ratio. Like we got, we ran this video called Neogenesis, and we got half as many organic views as we did paid. And you know, it had, I think it got to like 800,000 or something like that. So that video was doing gangbusters at the time, a lot of attention, a lot of comments. So all I did was I took one of our ad sets and I just duplicated it and set it to Alberta, Canada and 25 miles around. And then I just broadened up the targeting to be more like alternative hip hop instead of specific artists like we normally do. And then we ran that at like $10 a day for about three weeks. And then we created a sales page for the show, which was they could buy a meet and greet pass to any of the three dates for $35, or they could just buy tickets through the promoter's website. And the promoter thought that we weren't going to do very well because he's brought a lot of hip hop acts who say that they like have an email list and they have a presence and like they'll sell a lot of tickets and it's just been wrong. But yeah, so we did this strategy where we just retargeted anyone in Alberta who watched 50% or more of that video with a video of me and Nino saying, hey, we're coming to Alberta. Here are the dates. Go here. You can purchase just you know a video ad. And all told, like we almost sold out two of the dates where he thought we'd only get like 50% capacity. And then we sold about $3,000 in merch across the three days. So is very lucrative and the promoter was so blown away by like what we do that he ended up like wanting to get consulting from me and then also bringing Nino back out for a, like a 20 date tour with a really uh, big other rapper, Jaron Benton. So that's about to be solidified I think this week where he's gonna go back out to Canada with that same promoter. So we learned, okay, 
this stuff works for tours, but not in the way that everyone might think. Like, even though it's a short promotion window, you need to take a customer journey approach to it. Like that approach right there unto itself is its own strategy. Uh, you know what I mean? Because right. there's so many, I mean, I actually have friends who do this kind of stuff on on the Cape, which is promoting bands that come into town. And this is the exact type of strategy that works. And it was the same thing that you did to start everything off. It was just a video view, very organic looking, no call to action to a broader audience, you know, 25 miles around the location, and then retargeting them back with a message that says, hey, we're going to be coming in town, get your tickets. Is that basically the strategy, those two steps? Yeah, but also like the psychology of it is like, let's say you're an alternative hip hop fan in Alberta, like your all your friends are alternative hip hop fans. To you guys for that three weeks, Nino was worldwide famous. Like you had no idea that it wasn't just like blowing up all over the internet, right? That's awesome. Yeah, that's the big one there. Sometimes people try to target too narrowly, especially in a local area. You got to remember, sometimes you might be targeting somebody that isn't in your target audience, but they have a friend that is. And if it's a good message, they'll tag their friend. They'll share it or they'll tag their friend onto the feed of that ad specifically. And it will help your cost and then you'll just reach more people. Roy H. Williams talks about this a lot with broad radio advertising. Think about the impact you're making to people, even if they're not in your audience. This is interesting. This reminds me of one of our Navigator clients at Dominate Web Media, David Tingley. He owns a Dodge dealership in Alberta, Canada. Mm. Yeah, he also has an agency. So he runs like paid traffic for other dealerships. And they've just been absolutely crushing it. And they use the same strategy, very similar to you know what John Cheplock talks about in the real estate world. It's like, it, this is similar because you don't know when somebody wants to buy a car. Now with music, it's a little bit easier to target people, but locally you can go pretty, pretty broad. However, they're just always running. They have always running videos and they've got some guys from their dealership that do like tips and, and cool stuff and funny videos sometimes about cars and stuff. And, and then they have a subtle tripwire. They have a, like, sometimes they'll just kind of softly say, Hey, come on in for $10 oil changes. So everything, they always kind of subtly say that, but then they're just building up, right? So it's the jab, 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 right hook, Gary mm -hmm. Vaynerchuk approach. And so they're building up these massive audiences and more importantly, in my opinion, brand awareness locally with these videos. And then, and then when they do have a, a weekend sale or a concert in the music industry, right? Or if you're a real estate agent and you've been doing market updates or really cool tours, all give, all give all month long and it's just running $10 a day in the background. And then when you actually have an amazing house that you're excited about that you want to sell, then you can tell everybody about it and they're going to either be interested if, if it's the right time for them or they'll share it or tag somebody they know who is because you've built up that trust. And, and what's happening now is it's a snowball effect. Your snowball is growing right now. So you're at 38,000 fans or something like that. I think 28,000 you said in that yeah. three week period or so. And, and now, so every single time he comes out with something new, of course, assuming it's, it's good, then the results are going to be better and better and bigger because your core audience and, and followers and raving fans, evangelists, your tribe is bigger. And so they can reach more people, six degrees of separation. So the effect of their friends' friends is very exponential. Even further, you know, just like kind of ascending it for a second, anyone who listens to DM, listens to this podcast or follows you guys at, D, you know, Dominate, you know, first off, you start out and you're doing like party tricks. You're like, oh, I can do this. I can do this. And this works, right? 
And then you start learning about business building and you start learning about, well, okay, what is my cost per customer acquisition? What is my average customer value? And from there, you know, you start to learn about, okay, well, how do I scale this? And, and that's more automation. I think with Nino and with, for musicians, like for the first six months, it's smart to just take everything you're making, all of your party trick, you know, money and, and put it back into growth, right? You can run perpetual, just like you guys teach, perpetual traffic. We got to that point, that was our first like, oh my God, this is it. This is running video view traffic that gets people onto the audio trip and then they some of them buy CDs and that pays for all of the marketing. And that's like, you know, oh my God, Eureka. And then starting to take a look at that and introducing follow-up products to raise that lifetime average value and then now all of a sudden we have a profitable business, right? It's, those are the, the major next steps, like just beyond tactics and strategy, that's the heart of it all, I think. Yeah, awesome stuff, man. Uh, we'd love to have you on again, get a little update maybe in you know, six months or a year and see how things are going. Uh, otherwise, uh, if there's anything else that you, you wanna add. Or where can they find you? We pretty much teach everything that we learn verifiably at uh, entrepreneur.io. And then you can certainly find Nino at um, takethaudiotrip.com or facebook.com slash Nino Bless Music. And then, you know, if you're out there and you have a passion or an expertise for something and you just listen to these guys, these nut, nut bars, and you do what, they, you know, what they're talking about, it'll, it can change your life, literally. So I just wanted to give you guys a shout out and thank you so much for the impact that you've made. Well, thank you, Kyle. That means a lot. And most importantly, you implement and and that's the key here. It's not just learning. You go out there and do stuff. So yeah. props to you and congratulations and thanks for everything you shared. Thank you guys. Epic stuff, dude. Epic stuff. Once again, digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 112. Kyle's website is indiepreneur.io. And then you've got facebook.com forward slash Nino Bless Music. That's Nino's page. And uh, take the audiotrip.com to check out that, uh, that cool little offer there. So other than that, we hope you like listening. We loved uh, recording like always. We'll see you soon. See you next week. Talk to you soon. listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Grant, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. John Moran here. Q1 is closing and it probably didn't go as well as you'd hoped. I'm sure your agency is telling you that they crushed it, but in reality, it probably crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you, or if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what, go to tier11.com forward slash apply. That's tier11.com forward slash apply. And we'll get set up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make agencies look good.